This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today we're recording from South Carolina. Beautiful state. Weather is beautiful. It's, I think it's a nice, cool 87 degrees right now. It's amazing that I get to say this, you know, because from Ireland, like we get a heat wave and it's like 72 and it's like, oh my God, who? Oh, I'm going to faint. It's a nice, cool 87. It's beautiful. I want to apologize for missing last week's show. There is no excuse. Just travel is hard. Doing a speaking tour is hard. I'm a one-man band, and I want to apologize for missing last week's show, but also I want to apologize. I've missed some messages from people, and they didn't get to see me, and I, I've, I've been slow on answering emails. Guys, you know this. I'm a one-man band. I, I do the speaking. I do the driving. I've organized this event my, pretty much myself. I have a PR lady who helps me get interviews on radio. But, you know, I answer all my emails. I'm, I don't have people looking after my social media. So if I've missed something or I'm slow in replying, please just understand it's not true malice or ignorance. It's I'm trying my best. I legitimately am. But today I want to talk to you about something that's you need to hear. I want to talk to you about your country. And I want to explain what I've been witnessing because I'm now in your country three weeks. And I've been watching and I've been listening and I've been engaging with people. And it's amazing to watch and listen to how people engage and how, honestly, it's heartbreaking, how beaten up you've become, how you've been beaten up, how you've been battered, and how you have been convinced that America's dead. And while I've been traveling a lot, I haven't had a chance to listen and watch a lot of media, but I can see why. And I want to be crystal clear about this from the onset, because I want to give you some hope today. But as much as I want to give you some hope, you also need to have some tough talk done to you. I get the fear. I get what I listen to my friends on the left. I I watched CNN for like 20 minutes last night. and Oh, my God. I watched CNN for 20 minutes, and then I, I watched that incredibly stupid embarrassingly bad skit from Stephen Colbert with the vaccine where, you know, he's got vaccines around him and he's basically get the vaccine. I listened to your president's press conference a couple of days ago where he was like, I'm running out of patience with you 25 percenters who won't get the vaccine. All I hear is fear. Be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. The coronavirus is here. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. You're going to, if you don't act the way we say you are, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And I get it. It's 18 months of fear. But likewise, there are my friends on the right who I like and who I respect, who are now going, be afraid, America's done. The economic collapse, it's a controlled collapse. I see many people talking about inflation. I see people talking about the debt. I see people talking about all these billions upon, sorry, it's not billions anymore. You've, you've upgraded as a country. You no longer talk about billion-dollar plans. You talk about trillion-dollar plans. You have a, a government shutdown. You have a, a trillion-dollar infrastructure package. You have a trillion dollars for this. You have this big budget. Be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. I get it. What we need right now as a country and as a world is we need Paul Revere. 
But we need Paul Revere to put the Paul Revere story into context. Because it's no longer good enough to say, the British are coming, the British are coming, the British are coming. It's all about what you said next and what you did next and how you said it. Because I look around at so many people and I see it in their voice, whether it's in the media, whether it's just people. They're talking about the British coming, but there's no hope in their voice. There's no fight in their voice. They're literally ready to say, the British are coming, surrender. Lay down your weapons. It's done. I've had so many people over the last three weeks say to me privately, John, I get your love of America. I even appreciate it. I even am so thankful you're here. But John, we've lasted 200 years. No other empire has lasted this long. First of all, you're not an empire. Don't put yourself in that category. But why does this have to be the end? And ultimately, it all boils down to the fear that people have been spreading. And then when you spread fear, it catches on. And people are afraid right now. The British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. Is that what we want to say right now? Or do we want to actually be a generation? Once again, and I can't include myself in this because I don't have the honor of being an American. But once again, to say, yes, the British are coming. But this is where we stand. This is where we fight. This is where we will not buckle. But also understand that what we are fighting for. Because there's the other thing that's been really interesting for me to watch. And it's been interesting for me because one of the fears I always have with everything I do when I come before the show, when I engage with you, when I do speaking tours, when I do writing, is this fear of, well, John, all you're looking for is confirmation bias. You see America in a certain way, and you're just looking for everything out there and every conversation, and you remember everything they say and every word they say that proves you're right. I've always got that fear. I'm always looking for, hey, where am I wrong? And the confirmation bias that I'm always afraid of is that people will say, yes, America is exceptional, but it's done. Or the confirmation bias is that, you know what? We haven't heard these things in a long time. Here's the one thing I will say from my tour. In three weeks in, and I'm here at Thanksgiving, and hopefully there's already plans been made for the next one. That shows you how much I'm all in on this one. And in case you're wondering, kind of going, well, how are you already starting to plan another tour? You said you're investing your life savings in this one. How, how can you already be three weeks in and you're over budget, according to your words? How can you be already planning the next one? Because some people have already stepped up very kindly to my donor box page and give me $4,000. This isn't me investing my money and then get anything I get from my donor box page just as back into my money. No, that goes from funds the next one. Because this narrative can't change. But also, I can tell you this. There is an appetite for America's founding principles. You know the saddest thing that I always get told when I go to speak in some of these places? And it's sad. It's a compliment to me. But I always find it sad. And I appreciate it. But it is sad. It's been a long time since I've heard America spoken about the way you speak about it. How sad is that? How sad is it, and forget me, that a a foreigner has to come in here and remind you, not an opinion, but factually why America is an exceptional nation and give a passionate presentation of why you changed the world. 
Why is it that it takes a foreigner, not an Irishman, this is not about me, but this is about your country, that it's not been spoken about? But there's an appetite there for it still resonates with people. It still inspires people. I am more confident than I was when I stepped foot in this land three weeks ago. Why? Because it still means something to people. This country is worth fighting for. This idea changed the world. And if we get the narrative right, and if we get the tone right, and we get the optics right, we can inspire a generation. We can reach people that we have never reached before. It won't be done by Republicans. It won't be done by Democrats. It won't be done by the left or right. It won't be done by conservatives or libertarians. It will be done by an American. It will be done by Americans breaking off the shackles of the labels. It will be done by Americans rising up together. It will be done by Americans who put all the petty squabbles, how they vote, where they work, where they are educated, who their parents are, what class they are, putting all those humanly shackles aside and rising up to say together, E pluribus unum, out of many, one. But here's the thing we need to do. If you want this to happen, there are certain steps you're going to need to take to make it a reality. It isn't a case of, well, you know what, we just, you know, we're just going to wait for it to happen. John has hope and this is all going to just magically appear. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Actually, no, I don't. Because something easily given is easily lost. These are the times that try men's souls, to quote Thomas Paine. Heaven knows how to put a price upon its bounty. Read the American crisis. We need to start acting like we are men and women determined to be free. We need to start sharing a message. We need to start putting the earthly shackles aside and start rising up together and start seeking bonds together somewhere where we can find common grounds. We need to start understanding that, you know what, it's okay to have a difference of opinion. Because here's the thing, and this is what it all boils down to one question. To anyone who is doubting what I say right now, ah, oh, yes, John, you're just looking for the America through these rose-tinted glasses. Oh, John, you're, you're, just, you're just biased. You're just always dismissed or optimistic. Really? I had someone tell me that recently. Oh, John, you're just always so optimistic. I went, do you realize two years ago I nearly killed myself? Do you realize I'm the depressive in this relationship and I'm the one who's optimistic? So maybe that's something you can gather onto. If the depressive new person who nearly killed themselves two years ago is optimistic about the future, maybe, just maybe, if you're not depressed and suicidal, maybe you should be even more optimistic. Don't hold it against me. Hold it and look it upon yourself. But here's the thing. If we want to build a future America, if we want to be free, if we want to pass a future that's bright, that's optimistic, that's hopeful onto our kids, it won't just happen. It's time to step up. It's time to get involved. But also it's time to stop abdicating our responsibilities to other people. But also most importantly, it's time to start sharing hope. Because that is the one thing that is missing from your culture right now. And when I say hope, I want to be crystal clear. Hope 
as in a hope mindset, something to work forward to. I don't do the come by a hope. I don't the blow, do the blow your smoke up your hole, be whole mantra. Oh, everything's wonderful. You know that Lego song? Everything is awesome when you're part of a team. That's not me. I'm not the propaganda king. But you have to share hope. Because as I started this off with, Paul Revere, the British are coming. The British are coming. Yes, there is trouble on the horizon. And there's a lot of really bad things coming. But guess what? You're an American. You have overcome way, way worse. And if you act, and you act in the right way, you will also overcome this one. talk to you about some stories that I have and I want to share these through the mindset of looking for opportunities because your country is beaten up right now there's no doubt I can feel it your country's battered it's bruised it's depressed it's upset and what it needs is a bit of hope but also what it needs is people to stop looking for all the pain for all the hatred for all the suffering, and to start seeing one fundamental thing that is uniquely American. That is opportunity. Because so many people have bought this myth, this narrative, and I will be blunt and say this lie, that America's best days are behind her. And that if you're young, there is no opportunities for you. And I'm going to share some stories with you. Because I had a really frustrating conversation with someone the other day. And I'm going to share what that conversation entailed. And I want to do it so in the sense that I want you to know I wasn't angry at this person. I didn't respond in the best way. But also, I wanted to share it with you so you could see the pain of what I'm trying to convince people of. And this is a summary, just this one simple story that's on a bigger picture of in your country of people having no hope. So this person messaged me. John, I'm listening to your show, and I can't remember what age they said they were. I think they were just under 30. They had a a college degree. They said, I listen to your show, and you're always talking about, oh, America's got all this hope, and it's the land of opportunity, and come by and all these different things. What's America like for me? And I was like, well, what is it like for you? Tell me about it. There's no opportunity. There's no jobs. There's no hope. There's no nothing. And I went, really? Really, there's no hope. Have you walked down the sidewalk in your country? Because I've been traveling in many different states now. I think this is my fifth or sixth state I'm in in South Carolina. I've seen job openings everywhere. I told them a story. I started off by saying, well, I was in Jimmy John's the other day. I think this was this was last week. This was in Tennessee. And I don't know if I shared this story. I don't think I did, but. The drive-thru, I was speaking to the manager, and the drive-thru, all you could do in the Jimmy John's was get the drive-thru. And he started telling me about how they hadn't, the reason they hadn't only had the drive-thru in the restaurant part wasn't open was because they had staffing problems. And the reason they had staffing problems was because they couldn't hire. It wasn't because they had a COVID outbreak. And then they told me how many people they had tried to interview, and only one out of every one out of every eight or something turned up. 
And that's a turn up for an interview. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. That was in one particular store. Oh, but John, who wants to go work for Jimmy Jones? Really? That's your attitude? Don't talk to me about then there's no opportunities. But when I had, that was one story. When I told this person, I was like, well, okay, fair enough. You have something against Jimmy Johns. I don't know what your issue with Jimmy Johns is. I like Jimmy Johns. But I told him, I was like, I was just in Bucky's. By the way, on this trip, I've, I've, I've started a, I've been in Bucky's now, I think two or three times. My God, you, you know, the, the old cliche of everything is bigger in America. Bucky's is very American. If that's, if that's America's cliche, I have never, I've traveled a large part of this world. I have never seen a forecourt so big as in Bucky's. Like those petrol pumps just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. It's incredible. And that's just the forecourt, let alone the store. You know, there's, I've seen, I've seen like pharmacies and, you know, little retailers smaller in Ireland than a Bucky's like garage. It's incredible. But I was in a Bucky's and I can't remember where it was. I think it was Georgia. Maybe it was Tennessee or maybe it was Alabama. I can't remember. And they were advertising for staff. They were desperate for staff. Part-time starting at $15 an hour. Full-time starting at $18 an hour. Shift supervisor starting at $22 an hour. And this manager or assistant manager starting at $25 an hour. And I said to this person, you're telling me with your college degree, there's no opportunities in your nation. Seriously? And I told them about these salaries and bookies. And I'm like, well, I don't know whether you'll get a store manager because I don't know the criteria. But let's assume you can't and you have to start at a full-time job at $18 an hour, right? $18 an hour. That's $720 a week. That's $35,000 a year to be an associate. Because there are so many staffing problems in your country, because everyone is looking from people, from Bookies to Shell to Burger King to McDonald's to Jimmy John's, to all these different opinions, all these different companies, that if you literally just turn up, be somewhat semi-competent at your job, turn in early, leave late, do everything your manager asks of you, be polite, be customer-oriented, especially if you're in a customer-facing role, you're not going to take long to be a supervisor. And that's $22 an hour. That's $880 a week and about $40,000 a year. And then eventually become a manager, which is $1,000 a week and $50,000 a year. You can't tell me with those stats, and that's in one company, that there is no opportunities in America right now. I get Joe Biden. I get the economy's in trouble. I get inflation. I get gas prices are rising. I get there's uncertainty in D.C., but despite all of these things, you can still earn $1,000 a week, $50,000 a year as a manager of bookies. Well, that's not good enough for me. I, I went to, I didn't go, and I quote, this is one of the lines, and this is where I didn't react well. I didn't go to college for four years to get a degree to be a manager of bookies. First off, even if you became a manager of bookies, what does that mean that you have to stay there? Because guess what? Maybe you become the manager of bookies in a year or two years. Then maybe you go on up through the supply chain. Maybe you increase. Or maybe you do such a good job that everyone knows your name in that town and you go move industry or you move to another position and you get more money. It's a stepping stone. Your career is just not a light switch where you kind of get out of college and you have your college degree and then you click the switch and then, hey, 
I'm John. I've got my college degree. Hire me. But don't hire me to be an associate or a supervisor or a manager. Hire me for like $125,000 a year. Why did, why did I bring that salary up? Because another thing I was told, I heard another story. Just I'll come back to the friend conversation in a minute. Someone was telling me a story about someone who, and it was a great story about opportunity in America where their son-in-law had worked and had started and had done certain things and had worked their way up through Walmart and is now a manager in Walmart at $125,000 a year. I had to ask them twice. I was like, sorry, I know I was paying attention to you talking, but did you just tell me your son-in-law earns $125,000 a year as a manager in Walmart? Yep. $125,000 a year. That's pretty good money. By some definition, that makes you a, uh, what's that language you use? Oh, yes, a millionaire and billionaire as a manager of Walmart. You can look around at America today. And you can look around and go, America is dead. America is over. There is no opportunity. But you're believing a narrative and you're believing a lie. The time has never been more ripe for you, if you're good at what you do, to rise through the ranks. Because people are lying down. People are thinking they're beat. People are thinking they're defeated. People have been told they're oppressed. If you're just semi-competent at your job, you will rise, run, rise fast. Opportunity is not dead in your country. What I find amazing about this, and this is where I didn't respond. Full disclosure, I didn't respond as well as this to my friend. Because I, I honestly, and I don't know how to do this. I know I need to do a better job of it, but there are some things you don't really appreciate how good you have it in America. This idea of earning $50,000 a year at bookies for a manager. I would give my left hand, if I cared about my career, I would give my left hand to earn $50,000 a year. And I would not look down on bookies. I would not go, well, I'm only a manager of bookies. I wouldn't kind of go, oh my God, I only this little manager. I'd be going, I'm on $50,000 a year. Look at what I can do from this. But also, this is my starting point. Look at where I can go. And even if I never get any further, to make $50,000. Do you know how many people in the world have ever made $50,000 a year? Seriously, legitimately. In the history of the world, the amount of people, if you earn $50,000 today in one calendar year, in the history of the world, you're probably in the top 0.1% of people of all time. That's how privileged you are. But to this person who had his high, his high school degree and his, uh, his degree, his four-year degree. And it wasn't even in business, by the way. Oh, no, that's not good enough for me. Really? There's a laziness. There's an arrogance. There's a, there's a you think you're better attitude in there. But there's also this myth that says we can't do it. We, there is no opportunities. And it's easier to believe it. There is opportunities in your country. Go look for them. Go act on them. You need to stop getting out of this. You need to stop embracing this brain fog that it's over. Because if you embrace it and you let it take over your narrative, if you let it take over your mindset, guess what? They win and it is over. But if you rise up, if you stop looking for problems, if you stop looking for threats, if you stop looking for the fear and you start looking for opportunities, if you start looking, start looking for things to be better at and you start looking around, how can I help other people? Guess what happens? Good things happen.
You can turn things around. There is, this is not too late. Your fate is not written. Your fate is only written if you lay down and give up. Bringing it right back to the start. Paul Revere, the British are coming, the British are coming, the British are coming. Yes, the British are coming. But it's not too late to stand up. Start seeking opportunity. Start looking and dreaming again for the future. Because America at its very core is an ideal. But also, it's an aspirational dream. The men who signed that Declaration of Independence in 1776, probably if you gave them truth serum, never thought it would become a reality. And look at what happens. Your history. I wish I was an American that I could say this was my history, but it isn't. I'm an Irishman. And I may never, ever get to the honor of saying I'm an American. I hope I'm wrong with this. But as an Irishman looking in, your history is inspiring. You have always overcome stuff. Your history is making the impossible possible. Start seeking opportunity and start encouraging others to rise up and to say, yes, it's hard. It's not going to be easy. Yes, it might feel like the, the battle is against you. It might feel like the cards are stacked against you. But this is America. Even when the cards are stacked against you, because they've been stacked against us since 1608. They've been stacked against us in 1620. They were stacked against us in 1776, 1812, 1860, World War I, World War II, the Cold War. But they've always been stacked against us. They were stacked against us going to the moon. But we're an American. You're an American. You can do anything. You only have one life, one life in this world. Make of it what you will. Do you want to spend your time down and defeated and believe in the myth that it's over? Or do you want to take the chance? Do you want to roll the dice that there is still opportunity here? Do you want to roll the dice and go all in like your founders did in 1776 going, I'm all in for freedom, win, lose, or draw? Because I'm here to tell you, I'm here to testify to you today that if you go all in, you win. It ain't over. Heck, I'll go even one step further. The real battle hasn't even started yet. It's time to rise up. It's time to embrace your future. It's time to start working towards your vision. And it's time to start making America exceptional again. And I will be there on the front lines, linking arm in arm with you. I'm not here to fight anyone. I'm not here to demean anyone or to dismiss anyone's hurt, their feelings. I'm not here to look down on anyone who thinks they're beaded. I'm here to inspire, but I'm also here to serve with you. And we're going to do it one by one by one. Because here's the thing the enemy knows. There is nothing that can beat a free person. There is nothing that can beat and can extinguish the fire of liberty. And there is nothing that can extinguish the fire of hope. Only thing that can defeat it is if we stop putting, stop putting fertilizer on that plant. The only thing that can stop feeding it and stop making it grow is if we stop putting firewood and stop putting our energy into that hope, into that fight, into that determination. We've been silent far too long. We've been laid down far too long. We have accepted it is over for far too long. That must stop. And while I can't speak for anyone else, I speak for me. It stops now. It's time for opportunity. It's time to grow. And America, it's time to wake up. Mm -hmm.
on social media always freedom disciple a facebook freedom disciple look me up i also have a donor box page donorbox.org slash freedoms disciple if you want to support this mission if you're inspired by today's message please share it and if you want to make a donation i'd be entirely grateful this is already going to start funding the next tour that's going to start in early 22 because 2022 is going to be a big history big year in your history and today i'm laying the foundations and this trip is laying the foundations but i'm all in but honestly i don't come from much money i have no more money after my 10 grand is gone i don't have any more resources really to sell i don't have any more assets but i'm going to do everything i can and if you will help me i'll do it i'm going to be out there inspiring people trying to encourage people to act but I've been doing this for three weeks now, and I've been sharing a message, something similar to this. And I want to spend the last few minutes we have today together addressing one of the criticisms that I get all the time. And the criticism always would boil down when I start sharing this message about hope, about how you can overcome this, about how the power is in your people. Invariably, you will always come to politics. Oh, but John, Joe Biden... Oh, but John, the executive orders. Oh, but John, the Democratic House and the Democratic Senate. Oh, but John, the fraudulent elections. I don't know how to say this. Because every time I, I don't like talking about myself. But also every time I find myself talking about comparing America to other nations, I find it, maybe it doesn't come across, but in my head, it sounds like I'm talking down to Americans and trying to say, do you know how lucky you have it? And I apologize if I sound like this for a minute, but I need to talk to you about how lucky you have your system. And it's not how lucky you have it today, but you have the answers. And I'm going to give you an example. You still have a large amount of power within your country. Is it easy? No. Is it doable? Yes. But let's say, and I'm going to take Ireland as an example, because Ireland is a, a democracy. Oh, democracy is wonderful, isn't it? Makes you feel all warm inside. You see, when it comes to Irish democracy, and this is the same in England and in Europe and around other parts of the world, you see, I get to vote for my local, what you would call your congressman. That's who I get to vote for. And... If you believe in a party system, because Ireland has parties like America does, but we have more than two. We have two major ones, but we also have a load of smaller ones. And the smaller ones actually win seats at the national level. You have Republicans and Democrats. We have Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. We have Labour. We have Sinn Féin. We have the people before profit. Yes, they're as good as they sound, by the way. You have um, different other ones as well, other coalitions. And what happens is we vote. And what you'll find is a lot of people will vote for their party. I'm a Fianna Fáil, so I'll vote for the Fianna Fáil candidate. Even if I absolutely hate them, I'll vote for them. But they have no power over who the candidate is. That's decided by the Fianna Fáil party. Likewise, the Fianna Gael. And what happens is we vote for these people. And then ever who wins the most seats gets to form a government. Or ever who can form up a coalition of 50 seats, 50% 50 of plus seats plus one forms a government. Sometimes it's one party, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, depending on what they can coalesce around, what ideas, what principles. And I use that word very loosely. I also can vote for president. Presidency happens every seven years in Ireland. I can't vote for my senator because they're decided by the politicians. 
I can't vote for my local rep because they're decided by the politicians and the colleges. I can't vote for my sheriff. I can't vote for anybody else. The only two offices I can vote for is presidency, which has no power, and my local politician in my area. And I can't even challenge my politician. That's America. That's Ireland. That's England. That's Europe. That's all around the world. You have a system of governments in America, which is so unique, so brilliant, so un unbelievably unique that you can. What is different between the American system and every other system? Again, whether you like it or not, I'm, I'm a big constitutionalist, so you'll know I don't like the direct election of senators. I don't believe in that amendment. But right now, you can vote for your state sen your senator in D.C. You can vote for your member in the House. You can vote for your president. But also, if you don't like them, if let's imagine you have a candidate running for the Republican Party who you cannot stand, guess what? You can primary them. Now, yes, there's a big unlikely, it's very hard to unseat them because incumbency is a big power in your nation, but you still have that ability. You can get out there and get a message out there. If you don't like them, you can run against them. You can try and unseat them. In Ireland, we don't have that option without the party giving the okay. And then it's not a, the people don't vote. It's the people of the party vote. I don't get to vote for my local state rep, my state senator. You do. You just decide not to do it or you don't know who their names are. We don't get to vote for our sheriffs. We don't get to vote for attorney generals. We don't get to vote for any level of government. We don't even get to vote for school board. You do. Now, I'm not saying these to make you feel bad or to make you feel hurt. I'm trying to share these that you have advantages in your country that no other country has. You have a primary system, but also you have a system of government that is at every level held accountable to the people. It's time to start using it. You need to start embracing the solutions your founders gave you. But also, you need to stop with the BS and believing and looking for what I call the left arguments. I've had several conversations with politicians who were thinking about running in 2022, and one of them is a friend. And I sat down and we had a private conversation. I'm not going to share what was discussed. I'm not, I'm not a consultant. I'm not a, an expert. But he said, I'm, I'm thinking of running. I'm fed up with what's going on in my country. And he just wanted a chat. And I was like, I'm not telling you. I'm not getting involved. I'm not even saying, I, you know, I'd vote for you because I'm not American. But I'm not even going to do that. I was just a friend. And now here's what I found amazing. And I'm going to share this part of the conversation with you. He's like, I don't think I can win. And I went, why not? Because the whole system is rigged. The Republican Party is rigged. The, the social media platform is rigged. YouTube is rigged. Google is rigged. All the algorithms are against me. I'm sharing this story not to talk about how I meet different people and I've got friends in different circles. This story is not about me. This story is about continuing on what I've been talking about the whole show, mindset. And I just sat him down and I went, just think about what you just said for a minute. You said to me, you're fed up with what's going on in your country. You wanted to do something, whether you like it or not, and I'm not getting involved, I'm not here to judge, but you feel called to run. And after you told me you felt called to run, you proceeded for the next five or ten minutes to tell me every reason why you can't win. What are you going to do? And he openly said, I don't know. He said, it's, I've just got to do something, and something's better than nothing. Okay. Is it? What really frustrates me is there is this mindset 
where we will attack the left, quote unquote, for wanting equity. That's what they want. They want a fair distribution of assets. But then on the same side, when it comes to certain issues, the right want the exact same thing. The right want a fair distribution of the assets when it comes to social media, when it comes to algorithm, when it comes to YouTube. Now, am I saying that you shouldn't want these or shouldn't? It's, a, it's, a bad, it's an unprincipled position? No. But what I am saying is, I would love YouTube to be just no, no assets. Just go, we're just going to, you know, you choose what you watch. I would love Facebook. You like a page, you get to see a page. If you dislike a page, you don't get to see that page. You're friends with the person, you get to see the post. If you're not a friend with them, you don't get to see the post. I would love that system. If I was running Facebook and YouTube, I would do that consistently throughout the board. Why I'm sharing this story is not to make this about social media or different things. Is what we always think is, we got to fight, but we got to fight on their terms. And if we don't fight on their terms, we lose. And there was a figure quoted. I can only get $30,000 together to run this campaign, and I'm going to get crushed. Why are you going to get crushed with $30,000? Because what advertising can I buy on social media and all these different things with $30,000? Why do we always seek to play their game? Why do we always seek to play the turn the game on their terms, on their conditions, on their turf. How about we actually have about innovation and creativity and kind of go, look, I'm not going to talk to you about why I can't win. I'm going to talk to you about why I can win. And what I can do, if I've got 10000 20000 30000 $100,000, here's what I'm going to do. How about we get into the point where we start fighting and start getting the fields to our home field advantage, where we craft a narrative? Because here's what I told this person. I went two stories for you. First off, Martin Luther King. Whether you know a lot of history, you know no history. Everyone knows the term, I have a dream. Now, transport yourself back to 1963, where we got all those people, and 33% of people who turned up to listen to him that day were not black, they were white, who turned up to the mall that day. Just think of what he had to do. He didn't have the blaze. He didn't have the daily wire. He didn't have all the websites. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have social media. He didn't have fancy hashtags. He didn't have cell phones. He didn't have emails. What he had was a powerful and unique message, an inspirational message. What has changed in your people in the last 60 years that that can't happen again? I don't think anything. And I think if anything, if you craft the right message and the right narrative that's not left or right or Republican or Democrat, but is uniquely pro-American, you will inspire a lot of people to get involved in your movement. But second of all, second of all, you have $30,000 or whatever amount of money you have. What, who says you have to spend whatever money you have on advertising? Why do you have to play on their battlegrounds? $30,000 may not buy anything on social media. It won't even scratch the surface. But you know what $30,000 does buy? A hell of a lot of printed leaflets. It knocks on a lot of doors. It gets to a lot of community centers. It gets to a lot of people at colleges. It gets to a lot of different people. It feeds a lot of volunteers pizza. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not the political guy. I'm not here coming up. I've got this great mastermind plan. If you're running an election, you know, come talk to me. I haven't got the answers. And I fully admit, not only do I not have the answers, I don't want to have the answers because it's not my passion. But what I'm trying to make, and I'm sharing this story as an example, is, is because we need to stop 
changing the mindset and expecting to fight the way they fight, to do things the way they do it. We need to start looking at opportunities and dare I say it, be innovators, be creative and start thinking of new ways and compete on our own fields because narrative wins, optics wins. It worked for Martin Luther King. It worked for Ronald Reagan. It worked for Calvin Coolidge. It worked for so many other people, Thomas Paine, Thomas Paul Revere, all these different people it worked for. It works to people today. Narrative wins. Don't tell the world what you're against. Tell the world what you're for. Tell the world what you're for and stand for. We need to start inspiring people. We need to stop believing this myth, this lie, this bullcrap that says it's over, that we can't win. We can. The question is, do you want to? Because here's the thing. And I apologize if this sounds arrogant. I apologize if this sounds pompous. I apologize if this sounds like, oh, how great am I? Because it's not meant this way. But I'm trying to make a point. If a guy who's in Ireland, who has no degree, who has no future likely going forward, especially in Ireland, is willing to put $10,000 up of his own life savings, and that's it, and can get 65 events in 85 days in 15 states, what can you do? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm trying to say that to you. If that's what I can do, imagine what you can do as an American. You're here. At Thanksgiving, I'm done. I got to go back to Ireland. Yes, I'll be back because people have donated to my donor box, but I got to wait to come back. I don't know how long it will be. I'm hoping it'll be quick. But you're here. You have so much more impact in your community if you just want to focus in in your state. I can't spend a lot of time in one state. I spent a week here in the state. I go to another state. I'm in South Carolina this week. Then I go to Kansas. Then I go to Texas. Then I go to Florida. But I don't ever get to see because a lot of my day is spent traveling. And then if I'm not traveling, I'm working out in the gym and I'm doing an event. And if I'm not doing that, I'm answering you on social media. There's very limited time that I can do stuff. You don't have those problems. You can be in your city. You can be in your state. You can be in your county, whatever it is in your jurisdiction and get involved, whether it's on the school board, whether it's on a legal matter, whether it's in politics, whether it's in different things, whether it's in law, whether it's in serving, whether it's in church, you can make such a big impact. If an Irish guy like me can do this, imagine what you can do. And again, I'm not saying that to say how great or how awesome I am, but you can do it. But if you get caught up in the minutia of, well, you work for the blaze. I don't work for the blaze. I don't get paid anything from the blaze. I've received zero dollars from the blaze. Well, you work for Glenn Beck. Yeah, I don't work for Glenn Beck. I received zero dollars from Glenn Beck. Don't have an endorsement from Glenn Beck. I just happen to have a show on his network. I'm lucky. I, I am so grand, thankful for all these things. But that doesn't stop me doing what I do. Being on the blaze did not get me 65 events in 85 days. Going and talking to people saying, hey, I want to come talk about America's founding principles. I want to talk about reclaiming America's narrative, and I'm willing to do it for free. Are you willing to have me? And a lot of people said no. A lot of people ignored me. Other people were interested, but we couldn't work out a time for whatever reason. We couldn't work out the terms. But 65 different groups said yes. You can make a difference. Is it easy? No. Is what I do tiring and frustrating? Not frustrating, but tiring, yes. I'm exhausted and I'm three weeks in, but I ain't giving up. You can do this. 
You just need to change your mindset. You just need to change and adapt your mindset to saying it isn't over. It isn't even beginning. And I'm all in. Because if you go all in, and let me be perfectly clear, I'm not expecting 100% of your people or 90% of people or 80% of your people or 70% of your people to go all in. We know from American history, if you go back to the Revolutionary War, use those stats that are very loose, 33% of people were pro-English, 33% of the people didn't care, and 33% were pro-American. And out of the 33% that said they were pro-America, 10% said they were open to do something. And 3% actually did. When I say if you go all in, if you wake up, you only need 3%, 4%, 2%. I don't know what the number that you need is, but it's only a small amount of people. Imagine if we could do that, if we can inspire it. And if we put away the, the petty BS, if we put away the squabbles, if we put away all these labels that we have, if we start working together, and we started building a better and brighter future where government is not a key tenant, where the individual is sovereign, where we have these God-given rights again, and where we, when we protect them. Imagine what we could achieve. Imagine if we started sharing a narrative, we started sharing a story. Imagine what we could achieve. We have done it before and we will do it again if we act. And this is where I will leave you with a key story. And it's a story that has been told time and time again, and I've shared it many times in this show. But the words for me mean something different now. And it's a short story. It's where Ben Franklin has left the Constitutional Convention, and the lady goes up to him and goes, Mr. Franklin, what have you given us, sir? And the reason I always used to share this story was to make the point about democracy. He didn't say, I've given you this great democracy. He said, I, we have given you a constitutional republic. And I used to, use to share that to emphasize those words, a constitutional republic. As important as it is to remember that, today I don't share that answer, not to highlight that you're a constitutional republic. I share the words he said directly after us. You have a constitutional republic as long as you can keep us. As long as you can keep us. That's all it boils down to, America. Do you want to keep it? Do you want to be a keyboard warrior? Do you want to just attend a rally? Are you willing to get involved? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to hand off your, a better country to your kids and grandkids? Or do you want to give up? Do you want to surrender? Do you want to give up? Do you want to believe the narrative that things are done? That's all it boils down to, America. I can't speak for you. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. I hope I can continue to inspire you and share a positive message with you. I will do everything I can to cheer you on. I will do everything I can to walk arm in arm with you. But together, together, we can reclaim America's narrative. We can talk about this powerful idea and restore it. Together. Not one man, not one woman. Together. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, remember, America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom.
freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 